Is a good conscience before God different than a good conscience before man? Matt asks a great question. Hey, YouTube theologians, Pastor Wolfinger here, stuck in traffic. Uh, Matt asks, hey, and, and I can't read it, it's on the phone, and anyway, but from memory, he says something like, uh, I was in Worldwide Bible class yesterday where you explained a good conscience, which was great. Thanks for being in Worldwide Bible class. Wednesdays, 10 a.m., studying the life of Jacob with Luther. You can watch the playlist of the videos, by the way, or you can listen to the Worldwide Bible class on the podcast now, wolfmuller.co slash Bible, all the info to join us live. It's great. Anyway, uh, we were talking about what it means to have a good conscience. The conscience is like, a, the heart is like a window, clean or dirty. I'll explain that in a little bit. But Matt says, I was reading in Acts chapter 24 where Paul says, I strive to have a good conscience before all people. Is it different to have a good conscience before men versus to have a good conscience before God? Fantastic question. Okay. So first, conscience is a window, and then the two different kinds of good consciences. And I think to just answer the question right out of the bat, the answer is yes. We have a good conscience before God by faith, by the blood of Jesus, and we have a good conscience before men by works, by love, by the doctrine especially of vocation. And here we get into the mystery of the comfort of the law. It's just such an amazing doctrine, but we don't... We normally think the law accuses, the law disturbs, it doesn't comfort, but we learn, we, so okay, so let's see if we can take this all up in, in turn. First, the, uh, the ancient wisdom, old ancient wisdom, is that the heart is like a window. Uh, the conscience is like a window. And the result is that a dirty conscience makes everything dirty. Everything seems dirty. Everything seems out to get us. A clean conscience, on the other hand, doesn't make everything clean, but it makes everything clear. So if you can imagine a dirty window, in fact, you don't even have to imagine. Just look. <laughs> a dirty window makes the, in fact, the, the, the sky is funny today. Uh, and the last couple days, the air's been a funny color. I don't know what's going on. If you know, let me know in the comments. Uh, but if the window's dirty, then... Everything out there looks dirty. Everything in here looks dirty. I remember one time I was vacuuming. There was a spot on the floor. And I was like, why can't I get on that spot? And I got on my knees and I was like, what is this? And it was a, a spot on the window. It was a shadow. <laughs> so a, a dirty window uh, makes everything look dirty. The, the, Luther loved to quote this text from Leviticus. Is it Leviticus 24? where it says they, they're a, this fear where you run at the shaking of a leaf. This is the furies uh, in the conscience. And if you have a bad conscience, everything looks like it's out to get you. The whole world looks like it's all the knives are pointed towards you. You know the cartoons where they're walking through the forest and they pause and all of a sudden all the knives and, and swords come out of the bushes. It's all right at you like this. That a dirty conscience, an unclean conscience makes the world seem like that. Wow, everything's out to get me. I get three stoplights or, or two hours of traffic or whatever, and I think, oh, what did I do to get punished like this? Not only everything out there looks unclean, but everything in here looks unclean. I, there, I, I lose my footing even as I think about myself and my own beliefs and convictions and stuff like this. A clean window, on the other hand, doesn't make everything look clean, but everything looks clear. So if you look out, oh, oh, oh the other thing of a dirty window is interesting, is that the dirtier the window gets, the more it starts to become like a mirror. 
the more you see your own you can't even see out you start to see a reflection and this is I mean I think the psychologists have recognized this they call it projection right but there's it's the it's the way the conscience works is that that the more kind of filmy and 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 dirty your conscience is the more you start to see yourself and your own sin uh, overlaying all the things in the world so just a little piece of wisdom there although be very careful in applying that wisdom you know you oftentimes you're like you're talking to someone you're like I don't see how you see what I did that way and so you're oftentimes dealing with a some troubles in the conscience but you let's not as just be careful that's Christian wisdom there but no so the clean window lets us see things clearly so if there's something dirty out there I see it as dirty if there's something clean out there I see it as clean same in my own heart if there's something good oh it's good if there's something sinful oh that's sinful so a clean heart a clean conscience lets you see things clearly this is why the the old theologians not just in the ancient church and the medieval church but also the old dead Orthodox Lutheran guys would all talk about the necessity of a clean conscience for, um, for being an Orthodox theologian, being able to see the world clearly. And we see how, how this can go wrong in a number of different ways. Okay, so that's the conscience as a, as a mirror part. Now, the question is, how do we get a clean conscience? And is it different to have a clean conscience before God versus to have a clean conscience before my neighbor? And the answer is, a clean conscience before God cannot be accomplished by our own works or efforts. We can't clean our own souls so that the Lord has to give us a new heart, sprinkle us with clean water. That's how the Ezekiel picture is. Or um, the, the, especially the, the, the good conscience passages in Hebrews, like Hebrews chapter 4, where it says we come before the Lord with a clean conscience washed by the blood of Jesus. So that the only, the, the only thing strong enough to forgive our sins and to give us a good conscience to be able to stand before God on the judgment day is the death and resurrection of Jesus. No works, no efforts, no self-crafted expiation or propitiation, no amount of suffering or purging or anything can purify the human heart to stand before God, it can be accomplished by grace and by grace alone. And that is our faith, and faith alone, that clings to that promise that Christ is uh, my propitiation. Christ is my good conscience. And he's washed our conscience in the, in the waters of holy baptism so that we know that the Lord is not angry with us, but that he delights in us. And that's, the, and that's the source of a good kind. Isaiah 12, this beautiful song, you were mad at me, but your anger's been turned away and you comfort me. That's the comfort of a clean conscience. And, the, and, and it's beautiful. There, what would a person pay for a clean, good conscience? Can you imagine if there was a conscience store, like right next to the Apple store at the mall, and we're like, come in here and we'll give you a clean conscience? Ugh, you couldn't, I mean, you could never get into that store. But that's what the gospel gives. That's what the divine service is crafted to give. See the last video on the shape of the conscience and the shape of the liturgy. So, so the Christian has that confidence to stand before the Lord, that boldness of heart, because we know that our sins are not held against us, that they've been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. 
But Paul will also talk about endeavoring to have a clean conscience before God and he'll connect it to his works. And so we can say clearly that while a clean conscience before God comes from the forgiveness of sins, a clean conscience before one another comes from love and from doing our duty, our vocation, according to the Ten Commandments. And here we get into the mystery of the comfort of the law. See, please, the large catechism. If you want to borrow mine from the back seat, or you can download it for free, wolfmuller.co slash LC, large catechism. Or you can, I think you can order one for five bucks. You should order one for all your friends and family. It's the best. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> and Luther talks about how when we go about living our lives, we have this great joy in knowing that the thing that we're doing is instituted by God. He'll talk about the joy of the maid who sweeps the floor. And she has such joy and confidence in that work because she has the command, honor your father and mother. He, he contrasts this to the monks who have no command for their, their uh, works of super irrigation for their vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. They don't have any word from God. He said the monks would have walked all over the world to find one little sliver of a promise that God instituted their monkery. They don't have it. But the Lord has instituted the children being obedient to their parents. The Lord has instituted husbands and wives loving and caring for each other. The Lord has instituted pastors preaching and people rejoicing in the Lord's word. The Lord has instituted the, the state and the church and the family and he's assigned good works. And when I live according to the Lord's institution, when I live in the vocation that the Lord has given me, I have the confidence that this is a good work, even if I don't live up to it. So the confidence comes not in my individual acts of good works. Those are always only just begun. And, and this is one of the ways that Lutherans are always talking about sanctification and good works. They're begun by the Holy Spirit. They're begun, begun, never finished, never complete, never holy without sin. If I look at my own good works, it's like, ugh. If, for example, I'll give you an example. If I look at a sermon that I preached and I can say, boy, I could have done so much. I, I should have included this verse. I should have put it in this order. I should have, and here's where the, I should have spent the time working on this. I should have done more on that uh, Greek word. I should have seen this particular connection and I should have thought about this for the people that are there. And I can't believe uh, that I, I, I didn't imagine that this person's need that I could have preached directly to and so forth and so on. So each, so the, the sermon itself, it could have been so much better. And my own sin and neglect led to that, uh, to the weakness and incompleteness of that particular work. But the office of preaching is instituted by God. And me being in that office is sure because of my call. And so I know that when I stood up to preach in the pulpit, I was doing a good work appointed by God, you see? And I can have the confidence that I'm supposed to be here and supposed to be doing this. So if I look at the particular work, I might, uh, I can see my own failures, I can see my own sins, I can see my own weaknesses. But when I look at the office that's there, then I can have a good conscience. 
I preached like I was supposed to. And that's where a good conscience comes before men, that the vocations that the Lord has given us, that we know that he has instituted those vocations, and we know that he has put us in those vocations, and even though we have not fulfilled them perfectly in every way, we know that they're good. So Paul, can he knows he's an apostle. He knows he's supposed to preach and teach. He knows that uh, he's supposed to go around and plant churches. And he knows that by the Holy Spirit, he's done these things. Now, if you ask Paul, well, did you do it all right? He'd say, no, no. If you said, did you do it without sin? He'd say, well, no, well, no, of course. I sinned every day, constantly. Did you, did you live a perfect life? Did you, did you preach a perfect sermon? Did you, uh, did you do the mission work and the apostolic work just perfectly without any? No, he'd say, no, I, I, I made mistakes upon mistakes upon mistakes, and, and yet the Lord covered those up in his grace. But the work that the Lord appointed, that was his work. And I, and I did that in my vocation. And that I, I did not push it off or do something different. And this is what a good conscience comes from before men. <laughs> I told someone recently, I said, your good conscience before God comes from faith. Your good conscience before your wife and your children comes from works. <laughs> but works understood in this way, that we can work with confidence in the place that the Lord has appointed us. So that's a, whew, that is a great question, Matt, and I hope that that little reflection on it uh, is helpful for you and for everyone else. Hey, if you like this, You'll like this video, which was a question about does a new sin or a new temptation mean that I've lost my faith? Uh, that's what's going on in, in this video. So you can click on there and head down the old rabbit trail of YouTube theology. Hey, God's peace be with you.